All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 188 of the DFO Rundown. Jason Greger, alongside uh, Frank Saravalli, where uh, clearly it's a little too bright in my place and I can't figure it out. So got a good sleep, but not smart enough to figure out my lighting this morning. So my apologies for that. Frank, how you doing? I'm good. 188. The first thing I think of is Eric Lindros with the 88. And uh, we'll have to talk about him in a second and the Philadelphia Flyers. But first, I want to tell you that episode 188 is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. You know, normally dry January can be scary, especially in a long, dark winter. But not this year because it's simple with Athletic Brewing. They have everything you need with their lineup of craft, non-alcoholic beers, delivered right to your doorstep it's january 3rd that means i'm on day 23 of dry january and just the other night i mentioned before i was at the bar uh my son's team they all went there to play games in the arcade uh catch a a dinner with the parents and i didn't feel out of place at all the the pub local watering hole they serve athletic brewing crack one open didn't skip a beat truly game changing don't believe me use promo code frank20 for 20 percent off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until january 31st and give dry a try better yet snap a photo of you enjoying an athletic brew this dry january and tag daily face off for a chance to win a signed jersey of your choice athletic brewing company fit for all face offs fit for all times 
I like it. There is lots to get to, uh, oh, Frank, on episode what a weekend. 88. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I guess let's start. We can just put a bow on it and, and wrap it up. But my goodness, the, uh, you know, the, the Vancouver Canucks. Just out here bathing themselves in glory for the last 10 days. Oh, it has been unreal. They're, you know, they're thanking Bruce. And then they're, you know, uh, their GM comes out and says, well, I made a decision to fire the coach this morning. I'm like, do you honestly think people are that clueless? Like that, that one comment to me sums up the entire situation of Bruce Boudreaux is when they actually try to, they actually say on record, I made the decision this morning. What? The, the comments and replies on Twitter were just like unbelievable. Like I saw one that was like for the tweet where they thanked Bruce Boudreaux was like, yeah, only my toddler still confuses thank you and sorry. And I thought that was absolutely epic. But there were so many parts to pick through in the press conference. And, and I got to start here because you know who I felt bad for? Rick Tockett. He's sitting yeah. there. He's introduced as the next head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, the 21st in franchise history. And the first five questions or so out of the shoot are all directed at Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin to explain themselves and how they botched handling Bruce Boudreaux and sending him out with any dignity. And poor Rick Tockett is sitting there. He's done nothing wrong in this entire thing. And now he's got to come in here and mop up this mess. And I feel bad for him, not just from the public standpoint, which is, you know, the press conference, but guess what? Those players really liked Bruce Boudreaux. And this is a difficult spot, I believe, to step into given all that's played out this season. Is this roster going to remain the same forever? Quite clearly, no. There will be changes. It will get uh, better for Rick Tockett. But I, I think this is one of the tougher spots to walk into that I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he comes in as, and I saw a lot of analogies on uh, online um, in regards to uh, – you know, it's like the divorced parents and all of a sudden you have the new stepmom or stepdad come in right away and the kids are like, are you kidding me? So like Bruce Boudreaux, in a weird way, Frank, if he had just been fired like normal coaches get fired, I don't know if the, the, the love and reaction from fans wouldn't be nearly the same. Like he's now beloved because they had to watch him basically, you know, uh, slog himself through the mud knowing it's like, here, show up today knowing that you're done. And in an odd way, and plus, even for Bruce, for him to get the reaction from fans and everybody the last few days, if he had just been fired normally, that wouldn't happen. So the only positive out of this is that Bruce Boudreaux finally realized that, man, there's a lot of people that really love me and like me more than I ever really thought. Well, I think... And trust me, that's not giving the Canucks any credit. Let me make that abundantly clear. I'm just saying that's the only benefit out of this for Bruce Boudreaux is that, um, you know, he even said, he goes, he kind of got those moments to say goodbye that usually you never get. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. But I think the larger part for Bruce Boudreaux wasn't necessarily slogging to work every day. As Jim Rutherford pointed out, he's under contract and yeah. coaches are fired all the time. He's making $2 bucks this year. So he's getting paid regardless. I think the biggest thing for him and why he was so emotional, remember we had him on the pod, um, you know, while he was in between jobs and he was like, look, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get another shot. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that this played out, um, I don't know if he will, 
Because I can just tell you, um, and this is the way hockey works. People are snarky and behind the scenes, they say things that kind of make you scratch your head. And just talking to different front office people on Sunday, as, as I was going about my day, one of them said to me, you know, I don't know if Bruce is going to get another job because they felt like he played it up that he, he, was a drama queen about this. And I didn't see it that way. I don't think a lot of people saw it that way, but you know that some cynical front office person in some team's organization is sitting there saying, oh, we don't need this guy playing it up uh, and playing the the drama card every time. Wow. Hmm. I'm just telling you, that's the cynical nature of sports and especially the NHL. Um, The other thing I wanted to touch on is that it was really odd that the Canucks seemed to blame the media. Oh, come on, man. That's... The, the, that speculation is what fueled this. Like Jim Rutherford had an opportunity to kill all of the speculation 10 days ago when he had his press conference and he said, he was asked, are you talking or interviewing other candidates? And he said, yes. And we've been doing that for months. Yeah, we're talking and we're calling. He goes, but that doesn't mean I want to make a change. Of course it does. I don't know any saying, hey, guys, everything's going great. Our coach is good. Oh, you know what? Let's just interview other coaches just in case. All right, give me a break. So here, here's what I'll say to that is this front office staff, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, have wanted to make a coaching change for a very long time. Yeah, I have it on really good authority, crystal clear, impeccable sourcing that they wanted to make this coaching chain month, months ago and were not given the green light and did not get get one until only recently. Yeah, from the owner. Yes. And so that's why this whole thing has played out the way that it's, it has. And you're never going to hear them say that because they're always going to take bullets for the person that signs their check. That's the way it works. But that's the truth, is that this was as messy as it was. And just put all the pieces together, listening back to the press conference. You want to talk about structure, and then you want to talk about players that are in the bottom half of the lineup not developing. Those were all things that they were super critical of Bruce Boudreaux of going back to last season. When they took over, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, they got there, watched the first few practices, and said, what is this? This is sloppy. And that lingered on into this season and all the different ways that this played out, it all comes back to that, that they knew it. They might've had meetings about it, but they didn't, it was like they were shopping before they had the money to execute the purchase. And I I just, that's the analogy I can draw. I don't, I can't think of a better one than that, that they didn't have the green light to do it until recently. Yeah, I, I do wonder, did they say those things publicly to ensure that now the owner was in a position where he had to make the change, right? Potentially. Try to, try to force the hand because if, uh, if if you know that it's not working, you're not happy with it. And trust me, they wouldn't be the first GM and president to come in and be like, oh, you know what? This isn't the guy we want. It happens all the time. So that's, that's not a shock. Uh, for, I'm, for I'm not an advocate of letting the whole thing fester, but I if agree. you're the Canucks – like, why not just say nothing and look for no one and let Bruce finish out his contract if your owner clearly doesn't want to pay, you know, another coach this season? Or it, here's my one question through all this. Why was why didn't they just fire Bruce Boudreaux then if they didn't like him and put Mike Yo as their interim head coach the rest of the year? Why couldn't know. they have done that? He stayed on the staff. 
Like that, that to me, or even two weeks ago, that would have been a lot easier. They wouldn't be the first team to have an interim head coach for, for five games. Lots of teams. Or, or how about finish out the year? Like if you don't yeah. like that, that's another, but again, that's another coach that you need to pay a head coach type salary. Cause I'm sure Mike Yo, having been through it a number of times now already has it negotiated. If I take over as interim, here is what the pay is. My yeah, guess is right. that's what it all comes down to. Yeah, that's fair. So. And how about one other part of the, the press conference before we move on? Because at some point, it's, we're just, he's dead. Stop, stop. He's already dead. Um, how about Patrick Alvin saying it's not going to be a quick fix? Okay, so if it's not going to be a quick fix, what about the messaging from 10 days ago when it was a retool? And then let's take it a step forward. And if it's not a quick fix then why make the coaching change now in the middle of a lost season? And why does Rick Tockett only get two and a half years on his contract if it's not a quick fix? Does it feel like they're trying to give themselves cover for what inevitably is going to take a lot longer because we all know it's going to take a lot longer? Yeah, and keep in mind, the Canucks are in 27th place. Like They would have been better off if they didn't like it to to low to increase their chances of Bedard because if Taka comes in and improves all the things that they think the coach can improve, and they become better and they lower their odds, but like they're not good enough, they're not making. What did I call it the other day? And so and what's the point? Activity and fucking yourself, or uh, yeah, some. I mean, that's essentially what it is. It's self gratification. Yeah, that's that's so. what that is. You're gonna, you're gonna play your way up to twentieth and be out of the lottery and still not close to the playoffs. Now let's switch, go across the country. The, the Cole Caulfield news, uh, unfortunate for him. Young player kind of maybe explains why he's not on the all-star team, but uh, Cole Caulfield was having himself a great season. Uh, he's done for the year. That's a big blow for him specifically. Probably helps Montreal, Frank, if we just uh, if we continue our, our thought process. They're in 26th place right now. They lose Caulfield. That probably maintains they're not going much higher. Well, they also have that slew of other injuries that's been it's been insane to watch those mount i mean when you look at all the guys uh, a lot of them who whatever for whatever reason their names begin with j uri slavkovsky jake evans jonathan Druan, um joel armia like go down the list then you've got brendan gallagher still out sean monahan's been out with his foot injury like it has been an absolute mess and Here's the, here's the best part, and I urge you to go to dailyfaceoff.com and in the toolbar, the menu at the top of the page, we've got this Bedard watch. And every morning we update with the previous night's games, the lottery standings. The absolute amazing part about the Montreal Canadiens and where they're at, yeah, they've got some work to do to get closer to the bottom, but they really need to hope for the Florida Panthers to fall out because the Panthers have been winning a bit more. They obviously hold the Panthers first round pick from the Ben Sherratt trade. And when you take a look at the odds, they actually, you, wherever the Panthers finish, if they're outside of the the lottery picture, which right now they are, but last week they were in. So you were taking, uh, you were taking Montreal six and a half percent and Florida at one point last week had three and a half percent odds and you smash those together and Montreal essentially had uh, what equates to 10% odds, which bumped them all the way up to like fourth. So it, it can get really interesting for the Canadians. That's their biggest hope. I think aside from getting in better position themselves is having Florida 
you know, really get lean and bottom out. The problem is Florida's on a seven, two and one run. And all of a sudden they're knocking on the door of the playoffs again. Oh yeah. They're, they're going the other direction. I think they are they are. getting in. I just, they're a team like, you know, there was a few teams we talked about Frank, like Colorado. We said it a few weeks ago, the abs aren't missing the playoffs and, and here they are. They've real, they've had a great week. It was same with the Edmonton orders. They weren't missing the playoffs. Um, and I would put Florida in that category. I just didn't think Florida was as bad as the record. They figured things out. And yes, I do believe that Florida will make the playoffs. You believe Florida makes the playoffs? Wow. Okay, so who's out? Well, they're, uh, Pittsburgh's inconsistent. And, you know, Washington was the team, Frank. They had that great run. Now they're they're coming back. I think Florida could catch one of those two teams. I'm not My sure which money one, would but, be on Washington. Yeah. But I think they they can catch one of them. I, I just there's lots of time left, really, in the in the season when you think about it. Like we got you didn't 30 even get to the All Star break yet. Yeah, like 34 games. There's ample time, and and Florida has put themselves in a spot here. It's not a guarantee, of course, but they put themselves in a spot. And I just they were too deep. Like to go from the President's Trophy is good enough to get in. But I think their D's good enough to get in. I'm not sure their D's good enough to go deep in the playoffs. I would agree with that. But I think their D's good enough to get in. And, and their forwards are just simply too good. So, okay. I, uh, so I like let's, let's work enough. through this from a Panthers GM perspective in Bill Zito. Yeah. They spent an absolute ton and legitimately mortgaged their future last year to take a run at it and probably would like to have a few of those moves back, specifically the Ben Sherratt deal. That was an absolute monster. And people were, I saw people messaging on social media. They said, based on what you wrote about Timo Meyer and the return, it's possible that Ben Sherratt last year as a rental on the defense market brings back more than Timo Meyer this year, which is actually mind blowing when you think about it, but that's yeah. an aside. No, well, no it's like people trying to compare Edmondson to say he's going to get what Sherratt got. I'm like, no, he isn't. No, he's not. not yeah. So do you go for it or do you just leave your team intact and just get and, and don't pluck off pieces? Or if you're really aggressive and you're saying, well, even if we get in, we're probably not going to beat those other teams in the Atlantic, maybe not Carolina either. I'm going to sell off pieces and put myself in a better spot to regroup and retool next year. What would you do? There's three, three choices, three doors to walk through. Well, the thing is, who do they, who do they have that's a UFA? Like if you're selling off, you've got Hornquist. That. That, that's not and, the guy and, that I'm talking about yeah. selling off. Radko Gudis? Uh, I, I mean, he's easy to move, I think, because of how physical he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's eighth in the league in hits the last few years. Um, and, and you can find a way to make the contract pretty palatable. He, he's a, I think he's a great 6-7 option on a, on a good playoff team. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I'm thinking more along the lines of one of Sam Bennett or Sam Reinhart, where I think there's real value. Yeah, you're, I, I would agree with you. It's real value. Those trades, for the most part, isn't that an off-season trade? Yeah, all I'm saying is, do you try and get ahead of it now? Is there someone that's going to pay a premium to have that player for one more playoff run? Yeah, it's possible. 
I, I think you look at it, but I could see Florida saying, you know what? We're just going to add a, a depth defenseman. And there's lots of times you can get a solid depth defenseman for very little at the trade deadline. You know, you wait till the final hour and you go out and you grab him and it's a, a third rounder, Frank, or that could go to a second rounder if you, if you win two rounds and stuff like that. I think I could see Florida doing that. That's, that's the decision I think Bill Zito will make. I don't think he wants to send the message to his team that they're, uh, that they're giving up and move out a piece, I think he's going to look and say, we're just going to add small because I'm confident in you. That's going to be the message. Whether or not it's true, that'll be the message. So you, you think a small ad, though? That's the way yeah. to go. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know if they – like how much assets can they give up to, to think that they – They don't have any. Well, I know. They, they don't have the – they don't have a first rounder for the next Until 2026. Yeah. 2026, like that sounds like we're going to be in flying cars by then. Yeah. So, no, I, I don't – that's why, to me, it's just a, a rental piece. But you could be right, right? Maybe they go your direction. We'll I don't, I'm just, I'm thinking he, Bill Zito is aggressive. Like, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't often just do, do nothing. nothing. So. Sure. But did I, his aggressiveness, was his aggressiveness too much and got him in this issue? And maybe he's like, okay, you know what? I can add, but I got to, I got to add smarter and not just push all my chips all in. When I'm holding a king ten, yeah, I would say, I would say yes. I would say the 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 way last year played out, the Ben Chirot deal is really going to haunt them for a while. Yeah, particularly if they miss the playoffs. Now we'll speak to a team that's connected to Florida. What did you make of Daryl Sutter in the in the Pelche press conference? I thought it was unnecessary. I was going to say embarrassing, but I think that's too strong. Um, a lot of people would respond and say, look, this is typical Daryl Sutter, Sutter shtick. This is what he does when he gets a question from the media that isn't pointed enough or is too broad, and he is essentially knocking the media person for their question. I think there's way too much backstory to this in that it is abundantly clear so far that Daryl Sutter is resisting everything that the Calgary Flames management is trying to do with how they handle their young players. Think about the way that it played out um, earlier this season, Matthew Phillips, just earlier this month. They call him up. He sits as a healthy scratch for a number of games. He's leading the AHL in scoring north of a point per game. He sits as a healthy scratch and then finally gets in and plays two games somewhere between eight and nine minutes each game. So now they call up Jacob Peltier, first-round pick, also north of a point per game in AHL scoring, clearly a talented kid that sits for 12 days after his call-up and then finally gets into the lineup, plays in a fourth-line role six minutes, and the coach gives that kind of answer. That's gross. It's gross on a number of levels because it's him asserting his power. Uh, it's him clearly not wanting to work with young players and, and assimilate them into the lineup. And I just don't think you can get away with that in today's NHL. It's 2023. You need young players. Up until Peltier played, the Flames were the only team in the NHL this season that had not dressed a player under 22 years of age. 
They didn't have anyone playing on an entry-level contract. Like, you can't win without those things. Young players contributing, entry-level contracts, and efficient money spent. I, I just, I think it's very hard to win without that. I yeah, know that's fair. Um, I spoke to a lot of people who watch AHL. They really think that of those three young players, Pelche, Zari, and Philip, they think Pelche is the, the best bet to be an NHLer. Um, you know, they think Philip's one of those players. We've seen lots of them who's really good at the American League level. You get to the NHL, and, and you know, he's probably a buck 45, Frank. And it's just, it's really challenging, they think, to. I would say don't sleep see. on Zari, but yes. Yeah. And Zari, they think, can make it, but it's just going to take, he's going to be a little bit longer of development, which is totally fine. I think a lot of people always want to rush development of players. Um, no, I do wonder, like Calgary, the position they're in now, Frank, they're not in a playoff spot as, uh, as we sit here today because the Colorado Avalanche have, uh, have woken up. And uh, now they're tied in points, but they got two games in hand on Calgary. Calgary's four back of Edmonton, who have won six in a row and, uh, you know, have found their game. You know, they're not just winning with a great power play. They're actually winning because they figured out how to play defense again with their goals against at five on five. Uh, Calgary, the, the team I think maybe they catch, maybe, is L.A. Because they're five back of them. They got two games in hand. That's that's the team. I don't see any chance they're catching Colorado or Edmonton. So, you know, Calgary's there's going to be a lot of pressure on them uh, moving forward here in the next six weeks leading up to the deadline is can they get on a roll or will tree living potentially? We talked about Florida. What if Calgary finds themselves four to six points out of the playoff spot uh, the final two days before the deadline? What do they do? I don't think they have any choice but to be aggressive. Like, they, they really after where they were at last year and all the changes that were made and the big push they made to remain competitive to go through this year and be close and fall short and not do anything. I don't think is an acceptable answer. Okay. And the problem is they don't really have, you know, anybody that, that that's going to get you any sort of return. Who's a pending UFA, right? Mike, well, nope. Michael Stone's a right shot D's, but no he's, real return, yeah, he, right? Yeah. Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, uh, Brett Ritchie. That's it. Those are the UFAs uh, at this year. So, and they don't have a lot of cap space and they no. don't like, they've also used assets. They traded their first to get rid of Sean Monahan. Yeah. Yeah. They're them in Florida opposite conferences, but they very much mirror each other and they were both involved in the trade too, which is uh so that, that first, by the way, was uh, in 2025. So they do have their first in 2023. They did yes. kept that dry, but I don't, I don't see them. I, I'd be stunned if the flames traded their first rounder leading up to the deadline. I, I mean, I don't know what's at, like I don't know what they're looking at on the winger market to really get a sense of it. So I don't I can't answer that. Maybe there's someone out there that has term that they're willing term, to Term maybe. For. Maybe. I don't yeah, on the rental market, I don't think so. No. Now now quickly speaking of the trades, now that uh, you know they made their decision the coach, is Bo Horvat all good but gone, or is there any chance they salvage that? There's no chance. Whew. He's going to be sought after. It's going to be an interesting yeah. market to see where he goes. How many teams do you think? I, I agree, uh, and there's no question that interest really picked up in the last five to seven days. Um, by now, I think they know who's in and who's out in terms of teams and are beginning to sift through offers. And, and the fact that they're looking for players instead of picks or just picks, I think really changes the equation. And I think... 
the team that really makes the most sense from a prospect standpoint um, of the teams that we've been talking about is the Carolina Hurricanes. I think they've got a few pieces that could go the other way. And, and hey, Vancouver, Frank, uh, we ripped them off the top and rightfully so. The fact that they're wise to the point that adding draft picks does not help where this team's at. I've said this team is not bad enough to want to completely retool and get draft picks and be eight years from now. They got to get some players that they think could help them next year or at bare minimum the year after that. They can't because a first round pick this year where it's going to be isn't helping them for at least two or three years. And second rounders are probably four or five, if we're being honest. So I think Vancouver is much smarter. That's the path. Now we have to see. Yes and no. I mean, here's the thing is you're probably getting somewhat depressed assets in return. No one's giving you their top flight prospect. No, well, it's got to be. Is it it's got to be good ones because a second rounder and a third round pick, Frank, uh, you know, I can tell you the odds on it, right? We're, we're talking 11% and 14% of they're going to be legit NHLers or not. So is this prospect higher percentage than that? Then you make the play. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Here's the thing. Um, They've got they've got some of the like I I don't know that Carolina would do it but what if something included Kotkaniemi? Yeah, I think that I, I that's a pretty tough contract to take on. You think so? Because I think it's right in the wheelhouse of what Vancouver is willing to spend on on a piece like that. Oh, you like gotta, think about think about their first offer that I, I reported. They report they gave Horvat the Nuge contract extension eight times five one two five. Yeah, that's eight years. This is eight times four point eight two. Clearly, they're comfortable paying it. Yeah, but dude, this guy's this guy's on pace for thirty points. I I know I get it, but he also scored thirty four as a rookie as an eighteen year old rookie. So the, clearly, there's something there. Do you think you can get it out of him? No, I don't uh, think there's nearly. I don't think there's nearly as much there with with Cockney. I mean, I think he's a fine player now. And and I've done. You know me, Frank. I do a lot of deep dives on statistics and, and comparisons. And the rushing any teenager is ridiculous in the NHL. Rushing Europeans is even worse when you look at the history of how many of them. Not even until they're twenty two or three find their stride. So you would be betting everything on the fact that you think Cockney is another one of those who takes time to develop. And he might be, but the problem is, I don't think he has any offensive confidence, right? Like he's, he scored, he had 12 goals last year, decent. He's got seven goals this year. He's on pace for 12 again, right? And, and he, was get, he was given second line minutes to start in Carolina. So it's not like last year where he was playing on the fourth line for most of the season. I, I just, that, that contract, you can't, if you're Vancouver, trade Bo Horvat and say, now maybe you say, we'll take Kakanyemi as a piece, but even then, my goodness, they already got bad contracts in, in Vancouver. I don't think adding another one is, is going to work. Now, like I said, maybe Kakanyemi shocks everybody and breaks out next year, but all the people who said, oh, this is a good value contract, just wait. What are you waiting for? Like year five? And then it's like, oh, now it's good. Yeah, after the first five years of doing nothing. Okay. I'm just going through Carolina's organization and reserve list. Yeah. I would say there's a few guys that stand out. Alexi Hamosami is one. I would say that Scott Morrow is another. Um, 
Yeah, I would. I don't think they moved Jack, Jack Drury. But here's my point. Carolina is uniquely positioned to be able to make a deal yes, this way. I would agree. I just don't think that um, Kakanyemi is the the main piece. Like that, I don't. Like, I don't. Eat, I'm not. I, I don't. It even would know be for Carolina, Carolina for sure, but not. It can't be for Vancouver. Carolina would be like, yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. So I'm curious though what Horvat's next contract is. That's what I'm more intrigued by. Well, how much of a premium would you pay for this one season, which is clearly a statistical outlier? Yeah. Hundred percent, man. That is well, uh, like really, what would you pay? So the 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 guardrails and baseline of this contract are sort of somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half based on past play. But if you include this current year, it probably ratchets up closer toward eight and a half to nine. So where would you come in? Uh Late in your career, career years are a big red flag for me. In in the vast majority, not all, Does the this vast count as majority late? of cases. He's 27. 20, 27 to be this significant of a, you know, a guy who might push for 50 goals when he's never been remotely close to that. To me, that's that's fairly late, right? Like, he's on pace for 60, by the way. Yeah, and I'll go back and, and look at, at 50 goal scorers first time in their careers at 27, and then how many of them came close to that again. Right. Um, I think, I think it's, especially when, like, if you were 46 and 44 and 42 leading up to it, well, that's different. That to me shows a progression, right? You, you jump from 31 to 50 and go to 55. Like that's a massive jump. Is it, is it sustainable? I guess possibly there's always a possibility, but history would tell like, you know, you look at some other guys now NHL players are different today. So I always, I always keep that in mind because players lasting at the peak of their careers longer, the, the window of greatness in the NHL has across every sport has changed now because of the training, the nutrition, education, all of that. So, you know, it, it is possible that, that maybe Horvat just needed and something clicked and it opened up a, a new window of opportunity for People him. People would make the argument that it's the Adam Oates. He, he started working with Adam Oates really closely and they pointed out all these different things and now he's this is what he is now. Well, that's fair. Keep in mind, there's lots of other guys that work with Oatsy. And uh, they don't all un- unlock the, uh, you know, Pandora's box right away. Oats is great. And I don't think there's any debate. We had him on. He's, he's just. Yeah, go back running. and find that pod if you want to listen to it. It was yes. really good. We, we talked about a lot of different things. Yeah, no, Oats. Like, and he is so in-depth with individual players. Like, what he does with Horvat isn't what he's going to do with any other client, right? You do, you do something specific to that player. And so he's able to untap some potential. But doing it once is once. It's like being a 30-goal scorer to me. You got to do it multiple times before you're a 30 goal score. Otherwise it's just one time. Right. And okay. so is Bo Horvat going to be a multiple 50 goal score? I wouldn't pay him like one. Cause I think for, like, look at Austin Matthews, Frank. And I know you talk, but how many guys other than Ovechkin have had multiple 50 goal seasons Nothing. in the league? Like Stamkos did, but that was a decade ago. Right. So dry sidle. He has Horvat. He's on, he's on pace for 54. And by the way, has cooled off a bit. He has yes. one goal in his last seven games. It also raises the question for me, should the Canucks have already pulled the trigger while he was at the absolute, like what if he continues to slide on the production front? Well, I think they've shown Frank, they like to drag things out. Ooh, well played. <laughs> um, on pace for 54. I think we know enough to know comfortably what Bo Horvat is. Somewhere no, between really 25 player. and 30 goals. 
and yes. 55 and 60 points every year and is a machine in the faceoff dot. Yeah, I think if you sign Bo Horvat for between 7.5 to 8.4, I think you pick the range, I don't care. I, I think then you're going to get value in your contract. Anything higher is is now you're stretching it and you're hoping for best case scenario. And to be fair to the Canucks, I believe the offer they have on the table is eight years with a number that starts with a seven. So it's it's not yeah. it's it's low, and I think it depends if someone's willing to pay the premium for him based on this year and because there's a lack of centers and because it's hard to find someone that also is a competitor in his own end, that maybe someone's willing to pay more than that. I, I said and reported back in December that there, I believe there's a team out there that's willing to pay a number that starts with a nine. I don't know. I Are know where it is. Team? No. No. So I wonder about Bo Horvat. He's like, yeah, I can make an extra mil, but I got no chance to win. For well, the it's not an extra contract. mil. It's an extra. Well, eight. mil and a half, let's say. Yeah. Right, well, mill and a half Either times way. times seven or eight, whatever yeah. you're getting. That's a lot. Yeah. But if you've made how many times are million, you turning down ten mil? But if you're making fifty five mil or or seventy mil, does it really change your quality of life? No, Honestly. I say this all the time. It it's just means you can buy a bigger boat. That's all. Yeah. But let's bring in uh, Ty Remchuk on a Monday morning. Who's a uh, no, he's wiped his tears away from the uh, disappointment of the Bills. Tough day yesterday for the I'll be no, it's true though. Like that was I think fair to say, Ty, before we get to hockey. Yeah. I don't think anybody thought that the Bengals O line would dominate the game in the way they did. I oh. thought that was the biggest story of the game. Yeah, hundred percent it was. It was the biggest story going in, and I thought it was gonna be the biggest reason why the Bills won and the Bengals just agreed. Well, the, they beat the hell out of them in every aspect of that game. Like it wasn't even a good football game at all it wasn't close four minutes in it's whatever i'm just mad i'm really upset speaking of yeah. beat the hell out of how about the philadelphia eagles the giants yeah. i mean come on man the, yeah. thanks for playing thanks for we showing. didn't expect the Giants. like our good buddy strutty he's a huge giants fan i'm like come on the eagles and I, if jalen hurts didn't get hurt the eagles people i think thought well jalen hurts is hurt so there's a chance i think the eagles i wasn't uh, sure to be fair i wasn't sure what to make of of how good he would be and these two championship games are going to be unreal though you got four legit teams in here they should be great they should be in theory great games yeah they should be really really good i'm just i don't know if i'll be able to watch them (laughs) Uh, let's get into fill in the blank delivered by our friends at Montana's. They are bringing back the viewing party. So, Hey, maybe you want to watch AFC NFC championship weekend out at Montana's. They got a great lineup of daily deals and a brand new comfort menu. Check it out. Montana's.ca Monday is half price wings at Montana's. I went a couple weeks ago and I'll be back. They're that good. Uh, let's start with the Boston Bruins. You guys talked about them uh, a little bit. They're on pace for 65.9 wins this season. The Boston Bruins will finish the year with blank in the win column. Frank? I could add this, actually, to help you. They're on pace for 65, and if they were to go just 500 the rest of the way, they'd finish with 55. So, like, 55 to 65 is kind of their window, I think. I say they win 64. They probably take their foot off the gas a little bit. I'm actually more curious to see if they can set the new NHL points record for most points in a season. Which would be... I think it's the Red Wings. I think they had 132 in the mid-90s. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 
Jay, what do you think? How many wins the Bruins finishing with? I'm going to say 63. Okay, so just Which a little still, under their pace. Yeah, still stupid. That's more than the Lightning had. They had 62 in uh, in 2000. Yeah, the record is 62. The Red Wings had 62. The Lightning had 62. Red Wings, 1995-96. The point yeah. record is 131. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they. I think I think they want the wins record. That that's a big deal for sure. So. Matt Dumba. That's like, think about what we're saying. We said 64 and they, they're 63 or 64 and they take their foot off the gas. Like what? It's insane. Yeah. Absolute insanity. Yeah. Uh, Matt Dumba, healthy scratched for a second straight game by the Minnesota Wild. Fill in the blank. There is a blank percent chance that Matt Dumba is still in Minnesota after the trade deadline, Frank. 30, maybe 40. I think it's. I don't think they're desperate to trade him. I really don't. I think here's the thing. They're only going to do it if they get real value in return. Because if not, they know that you're probably going to need him at some point. Um, And he'll probably be back in the lineup soon. And their team is better with him than without him. And you know what? I totally forgot about Minnesota in the wild card race. They're only one point up in the flames. Granted, they have some games in hand. But... Colorado's breathing down their neck and I think they're going to pass them. So then Minnesota now gets into the wild card race. And if you're Frank, you're bang on. I, I was going to say it's like 50%. I think it all depends on if they get a legitimate offer, because I don't think their defense is, is deep enough that they can just trade away Matt Dumba. Who's playing 21 minutes a night for futures. I, I don't see how that's going to make them that much better of a team long-term if they want to get in. But if he's just getting healthy right now, can you just flip them for something just to shake up the team a little bit? Well, I, I think, think guys, that. yeah, guys get healthy, scratched, and I think so, like this year more than in Ever. recent memory, ve- veterans are getting scratched. But you see, guys, they get scratched for a game or two, and they come back, and you know what? It gets their attention. It frustrates them. Trust me, no player likes being healthy, scratched. Even even when you're the number seven defenseman, and you know the start of the season, you're the number seven. You still don't like being healthy, scratched thirty times a year, or whatever right. the number is. But yeah, you're a guy like Dumba. It gets you know it gets their attention, and we'll they're proud players. I not saying he was purposely playing poorly, but I'll guarantee you that Matt Dumba plays better when he returns. Fair. Out of the bottom, you're talking about Bedard watch, Frank. And I do think that is a great thing we have up at the top of our daily face-off website. So I wanted to plug it again, but of the five teams at the bottom of the league right now, so it would be Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, Arizona, and San Jose. Blank has the best chance of turning things around quickly if they got Connor Bedard, Jason. Which team could flip their rebuild in a hurry if they got Bedard the fastest? Well, out of the five, who would have the best? I would say Columbus. Because Columbus has Goudreau and Line. And I think that they could they could go out. I, I think Elvis is uh uh, he can have a bounce back season in goal. He's had a really tough year, but I think like John Gibson now, how many years running are we that he's had tough years? Um, I do like veg milk in Arizona, but I'm just not sure they have anything else. So I'll say Columbus first. And I actually would put Arizona second San Jose's in all sorts of trouble in Chicago. They went down to the, to the nuts. They don't have much. I just think it bounces back more quickly in Chicago. If they, like you can begin to get a little more aggressive in terms of how you do it. Um, I think Columbus is the easy and obvious answer. I think in Anaheim, what's holding me back from saying the Ducks is they have talented forwards. And, and by the way, Trevor Zegers is not the best player on that team. It's Troy Terry. I don't care how much love Zegers gets on video game covers. And I'm not knocking him at all, but it, it's Troy Terry that's the best player on that team. 
And what's missing in Anaheim is not the goaltending. It's the defense. They have Cam Fowler and Jamie Drysdale is coming off injury. That's, that's kind of that they have like two and a half. And if you include Klingberg this year, that's three bona fide NHL defensemen right now. And I'm not slagging Kevin Shattenkirk by any stretch of the imagination. I think everyone would agree right now that he is, he's a six, seven. They're, they're really missing defensemen. That team is really short on them. And, and here's the thing. I think there was some chatter about Cam Fowler in the last few weeks. I I've looked into it. I don't, think they're actively shopping him so to speak is pat verbeek going to be slamming the phone down if anyone calls uh no but he does have a pretty limited no trade list and i just who are they going to play if they don't have cam fowler next year like who like how do you go out and find five or six nhl defensemen in one offseason to put into your lineup it's almost impossible and i think they're a lot they've got a lot of defense prospects coming that are impressive, but they're not here next year or the year after, and it's going to be a while. So um, I would say Columbus, but I wonder about Montreal. Like, as I mentioned, they're not in that bottom five right now. They probably will be, and if somehow Florida can fall back into that mix to smash the two of those percentages together, that's a team that I'd, I'd look out, you, you know, I know the mixed results this year with Slavkovsky, but if you got Bedard down the middle, Slavkovsky with some size on the wing and some of the other pieces that you have, then you start to really look hard at your defense. But they aren't in the bottom five, so you technically can't use them as an answer, Frank. Too bad. Uh, let's get to our Points Bet Canada <laughs> bonus question brought to you by Points Bet Canada. Updated odds all the time on the major awards around the NHL. Uh, Connor McDavid is running away with everything, as you could assume. In the last week, we've seen his Rocket Richard odds just go through the roof. He's now at minus 180 to lead the league in goals. Where I'm going with this. 40 goals in 48 games. Fastest player to 40 goals this century, I believe, because Burray would have done it in uh, a little quicker in like the 99-2000 season. Connor McDavid finishes the year with blank, though, Frank. He's on pace for, what, 65 68. or 68? Um, I say he gets to 68. Ooh. I was going to say 70. I think his pace in the last... I think their schedule is so much more suited to winning in the back half than it was in the front. And I think they're going to be on a tear that I think he gets this. I think he remains on his pace. That's hard to argue. He really, he really hasn't slowed down a whole bunch at any point. And you're right, Frank. Uh, the Oilers and the Kraken have only played 10 games against the bottom 10 teams in the NHL. That's the fewest of all the playoff teams in the league. And uh, you're going to end up with, depending on your conference, you're going to end up between 26 and 28 games against those bottom 10 teams. They got a lot of them, including their next seven. Um, Don't be surprised, anybody, that the Oilers win streak. Um, They haven't won seven games in a row since, since, and they've actually only ever done it once since the 80s. Uh, they got a really good chance here to get to seven on Wednesday against Columbus, then eight against Chicago. Then they play like Detroit, Philly, Ottawa, Montreal. Uh, Detroit again, so they they got a chance here, and I I would agree. I think McDavid. I think he's gonna he's gonna make a run to to seventy, but just for fun, I'm gonna say he gets to sixty nine. Ah, there you go. Sixty nine. Uh, by the way, 
McDavid, if you look at his numbers, you guys would know this, but if you're a casual observer, he's been a huge second half player. Yes. March and April are his best months. Yeah. It'll be an interesting thing to watch as McDavid potentially goes on a chase for 70 goals this season. Points by Canada. They got odds. 69. All right. That's a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, brought to you by our friends at Montana's. Check them out, montanas.ca. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's amazing how we're all toddlers, by the way. Like, yes, true. You, you said, oh, fun. 69. So then, like, I was watching, and uh, I think it was it was uh, Cowboys Niners yesterday at the half. The score was nine to six, but the way they presented it on the screen at the halftime show was six and nine. And it was like, poor Gronk isn't going to be able to contain himself during halftime. No, not at all. Uh, One other record, Frank, to talk about is Linus Allmark. He is the quickest goaltender to, uh, to 25 wins. Now he did it in 30 appearances. I think he's kind of getting ripped off. One of those appearances was relief and they counted, but he only played 19 minutes in that game. He's really got 25 wins and 29 starts, which would tie the NHL record. Yeah. Tiny Thompson, I think before NHL goalies were allowed to drop to their knees, uh, 1929, 30 is the, uh, is the record. Hard to say a guy's getting jobbed when he's 25, two and one, but um, I see your point and it's one of the most unbelievable stories of the year that no one's talking about. Oh, he's like, like he's the, as we say, McDavid is the clear favorite right now for the heart. Omar's exact same in my eyes for the Vesna. Like he's leading in every category across the board, like wins matter goals against save percentage. Like, what else does a guy have to do? I know he doesn't have the recognition of a Vasilevsky or a Sorokin or a Shesterkin, but if one of those guys, Frank, had these numbers, it would be a slam dunk for people. I'm kind of chuckling at people. Well, it's not for sure. I'm like, have you been watching? What shows you anything that Allmark's not going to win? You want to have a little fun, Jay, since you live in the afternoon radio space. Tune in to 
Felger and Maz in Boston because like they were talking about last week, like of all this stuff going on, they're like, "What's wrong with this Swayman guy?" I'm just like, "What? Like, is this a real thing? Like, are it what?" They're trying He's to nine sixteen. Like he, he's just like, why can't he be like Omar? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Great stuff. Check it out. Yeah, that's funny stuff. So, um, it will be uh, interesting. We lead up, and then the well, some teams have their bye weeks starting uh, on Sunday. Frank, they get the day their bye weeks connect into the All Star game, and some teams don't have it until afterwards. But the vast majority of the league, there's I think from Sunday to Wednesday, there's only ten NHL games total, like one or two a day. Uh, that's we it. Love so. to see it. There'll be a the lot dog of days other- of the summer and we or dog days of the season, excuse me. And we have survived thanks in part to some Canucks drama and other stuff. Wow. Well, that's, we'll have to see. We should have fun. What's the story of the week? Cause none of them are going to be as juicy or as, uh, as, as ghastly to look at as what the Canucks did last week. Who knows? Like you never know when something just hits you in the face, like with like a two by four with like the Ivan Provorov story last week. That dominated the week. It's It's been a gift from the hockey gods these last few weeks. Frank, have a great week. We'll talk to you Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. you got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.